welcome to Health Kitchen, the podcast that talks all things health, safety, and performance when it comes to restaurants and the food service industry. I'm Aaron, kinesiologist, former dishwasher, server, bartender, and I will be guiding us through this journey as I connect with industry professionals, health experts, and anyone who has a good story in the food service industry. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Health Kitchen Podcast, and COVID-19 is still happening, but I have seen some really great efforts from the community to connect together and to work together and to start to look at some solutions. So firstly, uh, Majida and the neighborhood group had a fantastic campaign where you could buy gift certificates to support an employee uh, wages fund. And I think they've raised like $30,000 in the last week. So that's pretty awesome. And I think that's a really great way to support your employees and also help drive business back when we are all open again. So that is fantastic and I absolutely love that Um, but I've also seen other things happening lots of people learning how to work out maybe some online cooking courses all sorts of really cool things are coming together out of that as well there is a Guelph hospitality group that has started to come to fruition this week and We're seeing lots of good stuff, but the best part about it is they put together a resource guide in a Google Drive that really has everything from applying for EI, the emergency uh, Canadian Canadian emergency uh, relief benefit, that $2,000 a month, and they go over really what you can do to possibly find remote work now. It's really awesome. So I'm actually going to put a link to that in the show notes, um, and everyone can go check that out if you're looking for ideas of what you could do, how to get some money in your pockets right now from the government, and really uh, how to survive this storm. And that brings me to today's guest. So I know a lot of people have been sitting at home, maybe they've started exercising for the first time, maybe they're thinking about self-care for the first time. Um, Maybe you're feeling like you're starting to get some energy back finally after working in restaurants for years and never having a weekend off and really existing in that grind. And you want to keep that feeling going. And that makes sense. But sometimes to do that in an effective manner, sometimes you need a little bit of help. So my friend and kinesiologist is today's guest, and she deals with all sorts of clients looking to improve their life via exercise and movement. And she really knows a lot about how we build expectations for ourselves around exercise. I know a lot of people um, work in the industry for maybe 20 years, and then they say, okay, I'm going to start taking care of myself. I'm going to feel like I'm 20 again. And that may not actually be an effective way of thinking about all this. So we talk about instead of thinking from point A to point B when it comes to our health, when it comes to our self-care, and when it comes to exercise, we are thinking a little bit more holistically, a little bit more circular, and how depending on what you need at different points in your life, you're going to have different exercise needs. And I have my own stories about this when we chat about it, and she does as well. So I think there's a lot of good information for somebody who is looking to make a change when we're on the other side of this. So without further ado, 
let's meet today's guest. Today's guest goes by the name of Jamie Glassman, and she is a registered kinesiologist just like me. But she works with clients to help them move better and to help them feel better when it comes to exercise and performance. And she just started her own business with online consulting called The Movement Maven. And probably the first thing you should know about her is her bubbly personality, and as soon as you meet her, you want to be best friends with her, and she wants to be best friends with you. And I think that will translate pretty effectively when you hear today's interview. She knows all sorts of things about helping people feel better and looking at realistic goals when it comes to exercise and performance. So I think there's a lot of amazing information today. And without further ado, let's go listen in. So I am sitting here with Jamie Glassman, who is another fellow Arcan like me, and we connected maybe six, eight months ago um, through a Facebook group that we're all part of, and then we've had some really great chats at the Trial Reference Library, and you work with all sorts of different people when it comes to movement therapy, treating injuries, helping people move better, so I thought you'd be an awesome guest to have on. But I always give the floor to my guests to talk about themselves, kind of set the tone, and then we'll get into the rest of it. Yeah, I love talking about myself, especially since we met. I make that abundantly clear within like the first two seconds. <laughs> um, but I'm really interested and really excited to be here. Um, as Aaron said, I'm a registered kinesiologist. Um, and I've worked in the clinical setting for like the majority of my career. So I've worked with physios, pyros. Um, and a lot of motor vehicle accident patients are just people in pain. And what I've really seen a lot of is I've seen a lot of people either in the clinic or even just in my own personal life um, that work in the service industry that are in pain. Um, and it's really interesting to kind of see how people progress through their rehab program and their programs in general um, when they're, they have such an active work life in itself, especially with the increased range of like repetitive strain injuries because of all the different actions that are required for a chef, for a server, for a bartender, for a sous chef, even for the hostess. Yep. I have done some research into what all the roles of <laughs> the service industry You got You got um, all the names right. So good job. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad that my homework paid off because um, that would be embarrassing. No, I'm kidding. But um it's really interesting to see that and even people that work in kind of less active environments like a coffee shop or even more active environments like a warehouse where they're doing mass production of food. Those things are all important to identify as well and being able to understand the job demands and really connect with people on their level to say, you don't have to work that hard to help reduce your pain and your future risk of injury. It's about being able to see what you're already doing really well and give you validation for that. Because if you don't know what you're already doing well, everything else that I'm going to give you seems like more of a chore. And especially as a kinesiologist, in my experience, I specialize in creating 
exercise plans that are really personalized to you based on your injury, your recovery, and also your lifestyle. So it's yeah. not, I'm going to get you to work out or I'm our main goal is making you a fitness person. It's we're teaching you how to function within your job and your life, but improving the quality of that life so that you can enjoy it instead of feeling like any more is going to be adding on to that as a chore. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. There is so much good stuff in that opening that you just did there. I, there's going to be so much fun today. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the okay. Uh, I want to get a little, a little bit more about you, but there's one thing I want to hop on really quick that you said there that I think people forget um, is, and I, I see this as a consultant all the time as well, is people think that you're going to come in as their trainer, as their kinesiologist, as their occupational health consultant, whatever it may be. And they, I think people think that you're going to like rip apart their life and make everything way harder than it's supposed to be. And now you're going to have to exercise all the time and do all this training and stuff. And you would be horrible at your job if that's how you actually did it. You know what I mean? Like, you're not... For a lot of people, like, you know, we're not looking to be, like, an elite training school with athletes and stuff where you come into the school and this is how your life is or whatever. We're looking to give you solutions that work in the context of your own life. Um, you wouldn't have any clients. You wouldn't have anyone coming back to you for your services if you were that bad at your job. So I think a lot of people, like, think about that. Or, like, they think yeah. that when they're going to be working with someone that it's going to be, like, this not great thing or it's going to be all this work and stuff. And it's like, no, we're going to figure out how to work with you where you're at. It should feel fun and easy a little bit. That's exactly it. And it's – I think that part of, like, my personality or even just how I look as a person just kind of puts people at ease right away because they're like, okay, she's not, like, the epitome of fitness. Yeah. So maybe she's going to be able to actually, like – understand me and that's really where it's really important to me is being able to create those relationships where I can understand who you are as a whole person as opposed to just what your injury is or what your fitness goals is or are because that's not the whole story and I think that by who I am as a person it just kind of puts people at ease to say okay I'm coming to you because I need help and I need a safe space to do that not someone, I'm not that person to come to if you're like, I really want to get fit and I want to be like that Instagram person. And I'm like, that's definitely not going to be the, <laughs> the people that, you know, gravitate towards me exactly. based on just, you know, the image and the content that I provide anyways. But it's about creating opportunities for people to see there is an intermediate. There is, there are professionals out there that want to be able to meet you where you're at and help you grow in a way that's not going to take away from the amazing things that you already do really well and, and actually empower you to feel better yeah. instead of just tearing apart your life and telling you why the way that you function is wrong and you can't change it. That's not helpful in any way. No, it's not helpful to anyone. And like, I feel like that also happens like in the, even in the sport world too and stuff. Like I think people get really obsessed with like, what perfection is supposed to be uh or like you know and i i find that's like you know you should be doing this or you should be doing this or you should be doing this and then it just gets so muddled instead of just figuring out where this person is right and uh, i think a lot of people love to obsess or love to have that like element of perfection always on everything because it just makes everything feel more clean cut in their head but that's not mm -hmm. actually how the world works at 
all, right? So um, that resonates with me a lot too, because especially in the service industry, there's, from my understanding, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, there's an expectation that you also that you exude a certain level of like poise and perfection at all times. And that can be exhausting. And also it can like eventually just wear you down and burn you out from that like face you have to put on all of the time, which I can relate to in myself because especially someone that specializes in exercise and not being the epitome of a fitness person doing air quotes right now. Some of you might not be able to see that. Right. But the Um, air quotes, yes. But I can totally speak to that like expectation of perfection because based on what you do, it kind of gives you that like create opens up the floodgates for judgment. And one of my like huge um, talking points when I first meet a patient or a client that wants to work with me or doesn't even know what I do or anybody that I meet, it's, it's really about creating a non-judgmental space where you're allowed to be whatever you want, whether that's someone that complains or doesn't want to be a fitness person or does want to be a fitness person, but wants to like feel good doing it and not have to choose between fitness and pain. So exactly. It's really about that like ideology and kind of like peeling back those masks a bit and allowing people to be themselves while you also learn how to create independence and um, freedom for your, your body as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yes, you did nail exactly sort of the restaurant industry really well. Um, not to harken back for anybody that might be listening to this podcast, but if you want to talk more about like perfection and creating um, perfection, go listen to my episode called What Do You Desire? Because uh, we actually talk a lot about that, how servers in particular have to create a fantasy, and we have this air of perfection. And that also, like, it took me a, probably about 13 years in the industry uh, until I noticed that, like, my ev- efficacy rate of, like, high performance in the industry is, like, pretty good. And when I mess up, not to, like, have it, ball, like make you feel bad, because I'm like, I'm good when I was serving tables, like, 95% of the time. If you actually look at the breakdown, um, you know, so I think I started being able to, you know, allow myself to relax a little bit and have a little bit more fun with it, because things do go wrong, but that's not the end of the world, and you're actually pretty great most of the time, or even almost all of the time, and, uh, you know, that's a, that's a cool thing, but... I want to learn a little bit more about you before we get into uh, talking shop as kinesiologist. So tell me how you got into all this, um, why you wanted to be an Arkin, maybe compared to other types of professions, what you do, you know, go from there. So um, I got into kinesiology or human, I went to the University of Guelph for human kinetics mm-hmm. and I got me into too. that because I used yeah, yeah, that's why we bonded and became best friends. Anyways, right. I got into Guelph because I, or got into human kinetics because I used to teach karate. I took karate for 12 years, taught it for three, got my second degree black belt when I was 18. And it was the, I realized as I went through university in my life, I loved teaching. Like, I didn't really understand it because when you're a teenager, you're stupid. But, like, I literally, no matter how I was feeling, what kind of day I'd had, what kind of week I'd had, whether I physically feel good or not, whether I mentally feel good or not, anytime I'd walk into the dojo and I wanted to teach these kids, 
I felt amazing. Like I just felt so like I gave so much of myself, but then got so much energy and like love and respect back that it just inspired me and pushed me to be to find an industry where I could give back. And I wanted to do, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a doctor because I didn't understand anything about the world um, and like what other options were out there as a career. And then a guidance counselor one day just said, maybe he, like kinesiology would be good for you. So then I got into human kinetics at Guelph. Didn't know what kinesiology was for all four years, but I loved <laughs> literally every single thing that I learned. Like I did not, I did not excel at any particular course, but I loved anatomy. I loved clinical biomechanics. I loved health and injury biomechanics, like being able to use like force plates and being able to kind of see how people's movement creates like this objective data and also being able to relate it back to them so they can use it was just like the most amazing thing to me that I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um, and then after school, again, since I didn't really know what a kinesiologist could do after I was done university, but I loved it so much. I was like, okay, what's a profession that I could just like wear pumpy clothes and still wear running shoes and still talk to people all the time where they don't talk back to me. So I was going to be a dental hygienist. Um, and then I found this program at Humber called Exercise Science and Lifestyle Management, um, which none of my family could remember even after I told them a million times because the name was just way too long. Mm -hmm. And it really gave me the skills that I needed to actually work with people safely. Because the more you learn, the scarier it gets because you're like, oh, now I actually am like competent enough to know how I could hurt people or how people can get hurt. But am I doing enough myself? And then once you learn the skills that you need, it kind of gives you that empowerment to say, this is what people need. People need me. They need people that are going to actually not only teach them exercise or movement to get them out of pain, but also my personality is ridiculous. So it just kind of adds that little bit of fun and humor to in a situation that already feels low and down. So I was able to work in probably like a million different areas of the field. I started off the classic personal trainer and working in a gym. And then I worked in a couple of clinical settings, doing stress tests and other medical tests, or um, most of my experience was working in a physio clinic within an interdisciplinary team with chiropractors, physios. And that really just kind of built up my confidence because I had people to go to, to say, okay, like I'm doing this, this, and this, this is my like course of treatment. Like, is there anything that you would be able to, like, I have this specific question or I'm concerned about this or they responded this way, like, just reassure me that I didn't hurt them. And that's where it really relates back. And I listened to that podcast that you did about desire. And that really resonated with me because I'm in a service industry too, but it's not in a restaurant or it's not with food. It's with people. And no matter how much great success you have with 99% of your people, it's that 1% where you feel like it's not even that you did anything wrong. You just didn't give them the service that you felt that they deserved or that you knew that you could provide. So it's not even that you did anything wrong. And either way, what you did was probably better than what most people would do anyway. But because we set ourselves the high standard, because that's how we are also trained in our work life as well as that's, you have to be on a hundred percent all the time because you're always getting different people. 
and you're always building different relationships with people in different settings in different ways in different like um, educational mindsets that it can be fairly intimidating but also so empowering um once you can find the ways that you function the best and feel the best about what you do and knowing that can kind of help with that one percent of the time that takes over a hundred percent of your mind totally (laughs) exactly right uh yeah and to go with that since we both went to guelph then we both went to humber those two programs together are such like a powerhouse combo um that like people if any arkins or like anybody who's interested in this stuff and looking to um go into kinesiology and stuff like the power of the guelph program because it's a human kinetics degree is that it's such a heavy science base and you can really they really give you a breakdown of how the human body works in a lot of ways like between doing the human physiology classes anatomy uh biomechanics um all those sorts of things you really get a great idea of like this is what the human body does and this is how it kind of generally works and use that knowledge to then be able to apply to when you're working with patients right um or when you're working with people so it's like you know, I just feel really lucky because then I got to take that to Humber and got to apply that in a practical sense, but using all that science knowledge that we already built, you know, and being able to, you know, and I use that all the time. And I think that's something that, you know, with corporate wellness, my day job and everything, people think, you know, okay, so you just need like sort of a health background, personal trainer and stuff. But like when I build a lunch and learn, like let's say about heart health, I'm actually able to take my human physiology class um, that I took at Guelph and build that into a lunch and learn. So like, what is yeah. blood pressure? What is high blood pressure? While why does the heart function in this way, and why does it affect the entire system? And if you can give people that kind of knowledge, they're able to then use that in an effective manner. And I just that always really excites me to do that talk because I'm able to build out something for them that I think you wouldn't be able to do if you weren't an arcan. Because we just have this level of, like, knowledge of the science and the functioning of the human body in a way that a lot of people um, might not have. So I, 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 yeah, it just excites me that there are school programs really set us up for success in that way. Yeah, and that's the thing is that, like, what's really great about that is not only are you creating that physiological understanding that can actually be understandable by, like, larger masses of people that didn't have the experience that you do, but you could actually create that connection and that relationship with people to resonate why it matters to them. Yep. And that's so important because what I really, and I thought about this because I've been on another podcast and I thought about the difference between like my undergrad where it was very science-based and other undergrads where they have to take athletics and sports. And I didn't have a great answer then, I don't think. I kind of just was put, like, didn't think about it that much. But now that I thought about it a little bit more, I'm thinking at Guelph, we got the opportunity to learn so many opportunities to critically think in different environments and also in different ways with different materials. So being able to like take a research study, read it through and redo that research study, adding in a new variable has been gives you so much more information about how to create things that actually matter, even if it's a small change in terms of the study but the impact creates so much more awareness and that's what i loved about that is that it gave me an opportunity to feel like i could have more of a well-rounded understanding of the science that can be applied to everyone instead of just thinking that it applied just to sport 
and then having to figure it out later that it doesn't. So that's really interesting to me because we get to learn so much. But then like, for example, neuromuscular physiology was one of my favorite <laughs> courses. Yeah. I got a 68 in that course. Yeah. Was not an overachiever, but I've continued to learn about that ever since in a way that I can relate to my clients to understand why it matters for that mind body connection, your balance system. So somatosensory, so those feet and how they like contact with the world matters in terms of your balance, how your vision makes such a huge impact and how like your body can stay like balanced and aligned, your head position and like your vestibular system as well. So this like the little tiny hairs in your ears and how they affect your balance in terms of like, whether they're functioning well or not and how little understanding there is with that and the brain as a whole in general. Yeah. And so how, it's just so amazing. Yeah. And how much your motor neurons are directly connected to how your body moves and feels safe in the world. Um, you know, so like when we like, I think of that course we mostly talked about in the reference to like falling for uh, seniors and stuff, but actually how people move, so how your motor neurons are firing, depending on what position your body's in, really affects if your body being able to react to different types of stressors and balance situations and all sorts of stuff. And we don't, um, I wouldn't appreciate that if I didn't actually had taken that course and really understood that, you know, and how, you know, okay, so when you move, when you when your body starts to think about maybe it's losing its balance and it's gonna start to fall, it has a system in place of what muscles turn on in what order, starting from like the ankles all the way up um, to get you back to where you need to be. Um, you know, and I, you know, that's a really powerful thing, but people don't, you know, if you didn't take the heavy science portion of that, you might not be able to understand that and use that powerfully with your clients then. Yeah. And I love being able to take that science and actually making it relevant to people because a lot of the time people feel like they don't, this is based on what I've seen, but, they feel like they don't, it's too late for them to learn or there's no point in learning or starting now because either they haven't been able to understand it before or they've tried and it hasn't worked out so they don't see the point. And I think a lot of it really comes down to reframing exercise to just how your body moves, but yeah. also being able to understand your body in terms of what is understood. And that's what's so important about our kin is that it's an evidence-based um, profession yep. that is regulated by college so that we're basically held to a certain standard of we're using evidence-based knowledge to be able to create really sustainable health goals for you. And it's not just about fitness and it's not just about that immediate satiation. It's about feeling good all the time and building that opportunity to try and also fail and also try again in a safe environment with someone that really truly cares about your success and supports you in doing that. Exactly. So that's something that's really important to me at least. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's a perfect segue um, to us talking about food service work, right? And uh, talking about, well, I guess the whole point of this whole podcast is talking about, you know, health, safety, and performance in the food service industry. But the job is really physical and we use our bodies all the time. And I have really, you know, not, I've, I've looked really deeply into like, what are all the different things that the human body does in a restaurant that we can actually augment, improve, control, and build a person who's actually strong and resilient to these sorts of situations. So, you know, mm -hmm. looking at, 
you know, a chef who stands in place all day, how do we set up that workstation in a way that works for them? But as well, what can they do when they're not on the job to actually build movement, to build mobility, to build strength and all sorts of things um, to make sure that when they are on the job, they're not feeling pain, they're able to get through the day with more energy, all those things that kind of connect together. Um, so, yeah. If you, so when you're working with clients and stuff, do you build around those sorts of questions? Do you look at that and start building with them? Maybe we'll try and build a, some questions specific to service workers, but what's that process? Oh, for yeah. You? So I can speak to this from like a bunch of different perspectives because my mind works in insane, unfamiliar ways. <laughs> but when I think less so about like people that come in and they're just like, I have paid. Um, and then it's, you have to really look at not only the area of pain, but what they're doing, what their function is, what their body awareness is in terms of what they understand in terms of their performance at work. And I think that that's a really good place to start because when you're looking at how you work, a lot of the time we don't think about it. Yeah. We get really good at doing a skill, but we don't understand how we got there. Like when I was in doing my postgrad. Like I always did squats and push-ups and did a lot of stuff for karate, but I never understood how I taught myself to get there. And if we don't teach ourselves how to progress to be able to improve our performance, when something happens, we feel stuck. Yeah. And that's huge because if you have the process to be able to teach yourself how to function and how to manage setbacks, that's going to keep you moving forward even when it feels like you're moving back. So for example, if you're a chef, for example, and you cut a lot with one hand, you're supporting with the other. Yep. Um, you're thinking about what the movement is. You've gotten to a point where your upper back might be super duper tight because you just kind of get used to, this is my form, this is how I perform well. And if I change anything, it's going to affect how I move. But you don't even think about it to that point. You're just thinking, I need to be really good at this, and this is how I'm good at this. But what if there was a way to make that better and more efficient for you, but also protect you and understand that you need to do certain things that combat your daily postures in order to protect you from feeling pain in your daily life? So it's not even just about the performance at work, but it's also about how you feel in your life and also the duration of your career. What is your endurance going to be like so that you don't physically and mentally burn out in a very stressful environment? But also, how do you make sure that when, you know, you're getting to the end of your career or you get five or 10 years in, that you'll still be able to do your job to the capacity that you did? Mm -hmm. Can I make those guarantees? No. But can we also, does all the research show that exercise and teaching your body how to function better improves your performance based on what you need for your body absolutely exactly. and that comes down to also even factors like sleep stress which can also be managed with exercise as well so it's not about creating a strength training program that's going to make you better at work it's about creating working with the uh, pieces that you are already doing well already what are the skills you need your fine motor skills in your hands are probably fantastic but your neck and rotator cuffs are probably like shit because <laughs> you have been in this turtle posture for a while and you only really need to move in this direction because most stuff is already there or you're running around in the kitchen. So what do you need in order to make sure that you're protecting yourself and keeping yourself strong? 
balance and fast like reaction times so that you're not going from completely sedentary or complete completely stationary because sedentary is sitting stationary is just standing still to moving which is something that you need as a chef when you need something quickly and you need to not think about it yeah how do you make sure and once you have pain and you've had that those fears and those mindsets before it limits you from functioning because you try to avoid things that'll make you hurt more but continue to do your job so how do you bring that all together with a variety of different solutions but ultimately being able to work with someone that understands the holistic aspect of who you are and what you need in order to be successful based on what you need and want yep. for your life. Exactly. So, and that can be literally so many different options for so many different people. Yep. So like, I remember you had a chiropractor on your podcast yep. um, a couple weeks, a couple, I guess a couple months ago, time stands still now. Time is, and time is a construct now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But they were talking about how ideally, like, they seem like a very holistic practitioner, but also if they're doing their job well and they, you know, can really get to the, the root of the pain and the issue, they don't need to see that person as frequently. And how you can make sure that you're also creating efficient and effective results for you and your practice is working with people that are going to make you continually be aware of your body instead of continually pushing your body to failure and then having to go get treated after that. Yeah. Um, and that comes on the opposite side with exercise as well. You can't just try to do it yourself and push yourself to the limits in both the exercise capacity and work capacity and not identify when you need to take a step back as well to be able to create more efficiency for yourself because then you're also getting to that point of failure and then you also have to go back. So how do you maintain that like cycle of, help so that not only are you using your network of people together um, to be able to create that efficiency, but connections between um, your just different systems and different needs in terms of um, how you feel. Yeah, I love that uh, that you said the, uh, or like how you're sort of describing it and how I'm hearing it is looking at um you know, treatment for injury, performance, how these all connect together. And that is not actually like, you know, kind of like point A and point B. So you have like, you're fine, and then you're not fine. And then we do something to get you back to fine. It's more looking at it like a full circle. So how are we continually, you know, assessing, reassessing, how are we feeling? How are we building from there? If we have an injury, cool, but then how do we get them back and then start building again and that progress i think people think is like you you're here and you get somewhere whatever that may be um and that's totally fine but it's actually a lot more like uh fluid and there's a lot more continual change and maintenance that happens like even with my own workout plans like when it comes to the gym and stuff for myself i have like augmented slowly over time what i do in the gym depending on what my needs are at the time, how my body's feeling, and what I'm doing to um, counteract through my day. So, you know, I was doing a lot of barbell work for a long time, and that was great, and I was here for that. But then that started to just not feel exactly what my body needed at the time. So I've switched to more, you know, free weights. Well, I guess the barbell is a free weight, but uh, kettlebells, heavy dumbbells, you know, stuff like that. I'm really playing through those sort of movement patterns now. Um, a lot of body weight, a lot of like yoga flows and stuff. And that feels really great right now. But 
you know, maybe in a year, you know, my body's feeling a little bit different and then I'm going to augment my training a little bit um, for that again, you know? So I think, you know, people don't think about that. They think they're sort of just a point A and point B. And, you know, mm-hmm. you were getting to point A from point A to point B. And it's actually a lot more like fluid and it's constantly changing and working through that. And you come up like that really opens up a lot of um, really great points there, because not only are you focusing on like, I need to get strong, so I'm going to do what I think I, I can do based on what I know. So you start with those barbell workouts, you start with those heavyweight workouts, but you also aren't factoring in what else your body needs. And I can reassure you that it sounds like your current exercise program won't get to that point because you'll actually probably be able to implement more of those barbell workouts because you're creating more of a balanced exercise program. Yeah. So instead of just picking one modality of I'm learning, I'm just doing heavy weights, which is basically the same thing as fatiguing your body at work because you're doing the same things, but not adding in anything new to challenge your system and also address some of those low to moderate exercise requirements like cardio and rotator cuff strengthening and stabilizer strengthening that you're making sure that you're getting that strength. You're getting that balance and body awareness. You're challenging your body in different directions based on what I'm hearing and also getting that yoga as well helps to pull back and incorporate, you know, getting longer length in your muscles, making sure that you're um, incorporating balance and different ranges of motion that strength training might not be able to provide and opening up your body to be able to get stronger in different ranges of motion, even if it's not what you expected initially. And it's not necessarily like rehab. It's more so finding what works for you to make exercise accessible so that you can get what feels good out of it and not seeing it as, okay, this is going to feel good until it doesn't. And then I have to find something else. It's Here's how to make that program really work for you in a way that you enjoy. So you can do the go back to those barbell workouts if that's what you love, but use all that amazing knowledge that you figured out on your own anyways, because you're an Arkin, obviously a very smart person, um, because I just pick your brain all the time and may do be my friend. Um, but basically, that's entirely accurate. That's how most of my friendships go. It's like, that's hi, fine. we should be that's friends. Ha- I'm going to talk to you forever, and now I'm going to be annoying. Um, <laughs> it's all good. But... Thank you. Um, But yeah, so I think that that's really important to identify. Like, there is no right and wrong. There's something that's the best fit for you. But you kept saying the word fine. Yeah. We go from fine to not fine to back to fine. But what if we could be better than fine so that we can use fine as our um, low point? Yeah, yeah. But we can start to identify when things are going a little bit off. So we know to see our health professionals sooner, like chiros, physios, doctors even, because we have been challenging ourselves in a way that's not overdoing it, but makes us feel better so that when we don't feel as good, we notice sooner. And that's how we prevent injury. And that's how we protect our bodies. And that's how we recover faster from injuries because we have that body awareness. And I've had patients um, for years that I've taught them how to actually understand their body. So I'm not just creating an exercise program that you do on your own and that's it. It's about what does your body need? What is, how is your body structured and why does that matter? And then you can actually rehab yourself once you understand what the requirements you need based on your pain 
but also get that support to be able to progress in a safe way yeah. that's not gonna like overdo it. And if you do overdo it, what do you do? How do you identify when something comes up you weren't expecting? When your body starts to open up to ways that it hasn't moved in a while? You might feel new things that you might feel concerned about. And how do we put that bind at ease to know I'm doing the right thing and here's something I can do to support it instead of just sitting there and spiraling to all of these things of what if I feel like I'm in pain? What if it keeps me from working? What if it affects my performance? But most of that is temporary if you have the mindset of I'm doing this in order to make my body better so in the long term I can sustain this as opposed to excelling right now and not knowing what the future holds. Yeah, okay, so this is absolutely amazing. Because uh, I this made me think of something. So, um, and I, I've used this in context of my own life, and I've kind of been harping at this a little bit um, with people when I talk to them. But, okay, so let's say you're at work, you're working in a restaurant, and you have a bit of a pre-shift warm-up plan, right? So you're able to do some stretches, whatever it may be to get yourself ready for the workday, right? And we do this all the time with various, like, industries. I build these programs for people. And, um, you know, so you have this check-in. Every single day, you have this warm-up routine. We're able to not only get your body ready for work, it's your check-in to see how your body's feeling. And that can actually be a good chance to see a problem before it's a problem. So let's say you're doing your warm-up that day, and you notice that, okay, well... I actually I feel really tight in this shoulder or something, right? Um, it's not like a pain thing, but you're, you know, it's not like getting in the way of you being able to do your job, but you notice it, right? You're aware of it all of a sudden. So, okay, great. So maybe you can go home that night and you've worked with RK and you've worked with different people and you have some shoulder stretches. So you're going to do those to sort of open up that mobility so that we're not getting to the point where you're at work, you haven't checked in with your body ever at all, and then all of a sudden, like, ping, there's your shoulder injury, and now we're in a rehab state, you're missing work and all this kind of stuff. If you, we learn how to be aware of our bodies and we've built these programs and we've built these processes in place, then we're going to be that much better off to catch something before it's a problem. Or, you know, you're doing those shoulder stretches and you're like, okay, great, my shoulder feels really tight. Maybe it is time to look to go to, for a massage. Maybe it is time to look and go for an assessment, you know, because I've had a tight shoulder for a month now and it hasn't been getting better. So what do we do with that, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. sort of the piece that I'm just sort of figuring out how to articulate since I started this whole thing um, recently, you know, to people and say, you know, it's not just saying like, okay, we're going to get ourselves ready for our work day. It's giving people the skills to get in front of things or to know when to get in front of things when there's something there. And that's what's being a clinician and being like a registered health professional is about. It's about being able to kind of be that bad guy in a way of like, listen, things might feel uncomfortable and it might feel like a little bit more work. But if you start to identify things sooner, that actually protects you more than so many people I know that have either that worked out for years and then sit at a desk for work or have to like carry stuff around for work when they haven't prepared their body to do that because most of their weight has been with their arms down. It all of a sudden, because they could do it before, and then now they have all this random pain. It's like, well, this is not how I was. I want to get back to how I was. Well, the problem is, is that your mindset is I was perfect before. Yeah. But what is actually happening is not that everyone is not perfect and a beautiful flower, um, but 
the way that we move needs to be evaluated. And if we keep avoiding that, eventually our body is going to break down. And then we have this unrealistic expectation of, I need to get back to how I felt before. But that's just going to open you up to more risk. So how do you negate that risk? And I think that that's a really awesome viewpoint to see, okay, if I'm starting to do certain things and identify how my body should feel, and I can start to notice when things are getting a little bit tricky or a little bit icky sooner, you can be aware of that when you're at work and know that that's something that you can work through, but something that you may need to identify now. And I think of posture right away, not just how you hold yourself. So many studies have shown recently that there is no perfect posture. So everyone can take a really, really deep exhale because that's a big relief. But what do you actually need to be able to understand is how to strengthen your posture to be able to manage your daily routine. So things like once your upper back or your neck starts to feel tight, that's when you start to think, okay, it's been a couple days or a couple weeks since I did my rotator cuff strengthening exercises. And I know that when I do those consistently, I feel better. And even when I don't do them for a day or two, it's not going to hurt me or kill me, but it's also going to make me realize, okay, I need to get back to it. And then you continue to come back to these better habits sooner. Or if you fall off them entirely, you have a strategy that is actually lower intensity, that's safe, that can ease you back into feeling good and strong again without feeling like you could be at the level that you were at when you started to regress again. So that's what's really interesting is being able to allow people and give people that, you know, allowance to be human and to not feel perfect. And a lot of people, including myself, are very competitive. If I was squatting like 200 pounds and then I didn't exercise for three to four weeks, and let's be realistic, sometimes it's even a couple months, I want to go back and squat that weight again or even squat weight in general. But I need to evaluate what's my posture like. Have I done a squat in a while? Probably because we all get up from the toilet at least once a day. But it's really about evaluating how do I make sure that I'm actually in the mindset of progressing myself back so I can feel accomplished by that as opposed to feeling defeated that I can't do what I could do before. So it's really just that understanding of all of those things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And that's something, you know, yeah, I love that. And it's sort of, you know, being able to evaluate ourselves and we're able to do that, like as our cans with all this knowledge and exercise and all that fun stuff. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I'm trying to think of how I'm trying to articulate what I'm thinking right now. Uh, cause it, this excites me so much, but okay, here's an example. So I just had on a chef this past week on the show, uh, Gaetano Pugliese. I got his name down. I'm so proud of that fact. Uh, And uh, he was really great. And he started his own business and did all these things. But he alluded to, because he's done all sorts of different work over the years, that he didn't really want to go back to restaurants because of how hard the work was for him. And that his body couldn't really do that anymore, per se. And he kind of augmented his career to see where he wanted to go for his movement, for his happiness, for his enjoyment of the work that he does. And I think a lot of people don't think about that aspect of things when they're looking at their career. And obviously this can connect back to the movement portion because it's like, okay, something that you were doing when you were 20, you know, and a lot of people get into chef work, server work in their 20s. And, you know, it's really fun. It's high energy. You're really working yourself through. But 
how long is that actually a maintainable thing? And if you're, you know, in your 30s now and you're coming from an aspect of pain, an aspect of energy and stuff, well, you're never going to exactly get back to when you were 20 years old. And I think that's, you know, that's a fallacy that we need to sort of like go of, you know, you're not going to be able to like turn back time, as Cher would say. Um, you, I, I've been listening to her a lot lately, so she's on my head. Uh, but the, you know, you're not going to get back to that. It's figuring out what where you're at right now and what we can build with that and what we can do to, you know, make the workday easier. And how can we augment things if we need to, but also under having that sober look at it, which I think a lot of people don't do. And, you know, that's not only just from movement. That's also just looking at your whole career, right? Um, yeah. Like based on like a term from the industry, we all have a shelf life yep. for certain activities. But that doesn't mean that our shelf life, once we expire, that we don't have value anymore. Yes. And what's really important is that really shifting to the understanding that just because you can't do what you did doesn't mean that your value and experience isn't still more. And what sounds really interesting is that a lot of people, especially in this new world that we're living in right now, are learning to pivot. Yes. Or learning to identify that they need to build up a strong base in order to maintain the course of their professional progressing. So I think I made up that word. I don't know. Details. Feel free to progress. Progressing? Pro- yeah. Achieve? I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to stop. <laughs> words are hard. But it's awesome because it's so common that like it used to stump me. It's like I am 40, 50 years old and I want to feel like I'm 20 again. Um, we can do that, but it really just comes down to how you feel about yourself. And I meet people in their seventies that are like, I've made it a commitment to feel like I've been young ever since I was 20. So they don't have the expectation that they will always feel the same, but they set a commitment to themselves earlier on that they need to put in work in order to actually maintain that. And the sooner you do that, the easier it is to maintain. And even if you haven't done it, even if you are in your 40s and 50s or even 30s, which is coming up for me next year, like you can always start now to make sure that your future is easier than it would be if you stopped now. So I think it's where you stop where you just didn't see the point in exercising because of whatever reason that you've associated with exercise over time. So I think that that's really important and it's not exclusive to exercise. It's nutrition, it's sleep, but being able to create a healthy balance and still also have fun, not just, I need to have like a regimented, like army military style lifestyle in order to be healthy. It's I need to create balance so that I can recover better from the things I enjoy and actually use those things that I enjoy for my mental health and my physical health as well, because it makes those healthy habits more effective when there's been disruption. Yeah. So that's really, it's really interesting because clearly we both get like so excited talking to each other that we disrupt a lot of Starbucks's. But <laughs> we get louder and it's like very exciting. And then people are like, who are these people oh, yelling oh, at each other? They're you- two feet away. That's why we can't be around each other now, because we just can't understand this, that um, boundary. But yeah, I don't know time, how to not yell. It's like, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, the boyfriend always comes after me. He's like, you're yelling right now. And I'm like, I'm just excited. I just, you don't, I'm sorry. It's just, the only way I know, I'm like a tiny dog that like gets excited. And then the only way I know how to do it is to be loud. <laughs> uh, I 100% agree with that because that's also how I function. People are like, you're yelling. I'm like, I'm excited or I've had wine. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. You know, it's okay. That's okay. You just gave me, you got me excited because there's someone I want to bring on as a guest now. Um, cause I figured out a way to like make this work by just what you were saying. But like one of my biggest like inspirations of all this was my aerial silk instructor, uh, Lorraine. And she's a grandmother, but she's also like the fittest, most amazing person you'd ever meet. And just how she maintains like her strength and her body and she fully performs. And she has this really great way of looking at where people are at and how she went about teaching, um, for teaching me for years. I worked with her for like six or seven years. Um, and, uh, and she, just the way that she thinks about what people, when it comes to movement, how she supports you with those sorts of things, and even like your skill building. So like, I remember I would always say like, oh, like this is really, this, like what I'm doing on the silks, like I'm not very good at it or something. And she'd be really good at reminding you that like just the fact of being in the air, 30 feet in the air, tying yourself up in fabric is kind of insane and incredible. So nothing's easy and nothing's hard. It's just working where you're at. And, you know, everything's relative and we forget that. Um, and she, I think that's a really good inspiration. Now I'm going to figure out how to get her on the show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like that people's story. Like, they're, she's in the service industry in herself in the way that she's helping people that need to function, really find ways to be proud of where they're at, even if their initial goal was to be able to be the best. Yeah, And it's really humbling because even if you're not the best, what you've been able to accomplish has been able to be exponentially more improvement for your quality of life because it not only gets you moving, but it helps you with stress. It gives you a challenge. It's something different. It gets you out of your head and out of your normal environment. Um, it gets you that like that inspiration of being around someone that really can connect with you and really reduces that reliance on needing to be perfect coming around full circle because yep. I'm really good at that sometimes even though it sounds like I just ramble which is also correct um really kind of letting yourself go and allowing yourself to be imperfect but still get better and still improve in not only that activity but using it to improve in other fall other age, ranges of your life and making you curious about other ways you can move or be able to experience different things that you may not have been brave enough to experience before. Yes, exactly. Oh my God, this is so exciting. This has been so much fun so far. I've been uh, talking about all this sort of stuff and getting a lot of things that I've been thinking of maybe out into the universe now, which is just exciting to see that all culminate together. But we've already been talking for a bit and I think you know, I it's I didn't even look at the questions I wrote up for you because we've kind of covered them all, hilariously. Mm -hmm. Just by the conversation that we're having, we didn't even really... I didn't have to ask you them directly. We just kind of covered them in the conversation so far. So I'm wondering if maybe we want to take a little pause there for now. Uh, yeah. And I think this is really great. This is so much stuff. I think we have a lot we can unpack in even future episodes um, mm -hmm. with all this stuff. So I think... 
I want to give a little pause for that. And we're going to come back and do some fun, crazy restaurant stories. Because I actually was lying in bed last night and thought of one that I'd forgotten about until last night that I think is actually really, uh, really interesting. So maybe we'll get back. We'll get into all that sort of stuff and go from there. And uh, yeah. Okay, cool. So let's pause right there. Hey, listeners. So, by the way, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. On Spotify, hit the follow button. On iTunes, hit the subscribe button. Whatever you want to do, go subscribe so you can listen to this show every time it comes out. And even better, if you like this show, go share it with someone you know. It's a great show. Let's keep it rolling. I want more people to listen to it. we got a lot of people who are now listening to podcasts because they got time on their hands so go share it around put it on instagram do whatever you gotta do that being said as well you can follow us on instagram at balance underscore life underscore services you can go join the hell's kitchen facebook group if you're interested in something like that or you can also just keep listening and we get back with some crazy restaurant stories see you there So we are back, and we're going to get into our crazy restaurant stories, and I was lying in bed last night, and I got really excited as I was reading, I was reading a book called um, Bellevue Park, which is a national bestseller, it's a Canadian book um, that's a Toronto-based, and it's sort of a mystery novel, but it's based in Kensington Park. Uh, or sorry, Kensington Market with Bellevue Park within it. Um, so if anyone from Toronto knows, but it's just really interesting because it kind of reminded me, because they talk a lot about the different people who pass through the park and kind of reminded me of a character that I dealt with back in the day in a restaurant. So I worked in a bougie cafe restaurant um, in Guelph and uh, it's not in the location it was anymore. So, uh, but we, I would be the cafe server and... We had, if, if you know Guelph, which you obviously do, there's a lot of interesting characters downtown. Um, and this character um, would come in all the time. Uh, I'll give him a different name, but Alex will just say. But he would come in, so he would sit at the bar all the time. He would read the newspaper. So he'd read, like, multiple newspapers. He was really well-read. Um, very smart guy, but very eccentric. And he would talk to you about the news and everything, which was totally fine. Uh, He would drink coffee all day long. And he had really bad vision. So he had, like, one of those little tiny, um, like, eye magnifying glasses that maybe they would use at, like, a jeweler's. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. And he would use that to read the paper. So you have to understand that he was, like, his vision was so bad that he would bring the paper, like literally like one centimeter from his face and then had the magnifying glass on top of it to read the paper. But he was also like, so that was kind of hilarious. Like he's a character already. And he would talk with anyone about the news and he knew, he knew so much about like world events and stuff, which is pretty fascinating. But he was also a really odd character in the sense that he would, uh, he was a photographer. So he would take like photos of people all the time but he wouldn't also like really ask permission which isn't really okay 
Um, but he would just take photos of you while you were like working or like catch photos of you. And then he would give you a printed up photo of what he took. Um, so I don't know if I have it anymore, the photo he took of me. I'd have to go look for it. Um, it's probably hiding somewhere in my stuff, in my filing cabinet. But like, um, yeah, it's just a very interesting character. And I just remember one day, like, he broke out laughing so hardcore um, while reading the newspaper. And like the whole restaurant was just like staring at him because he was just like literally barely able to sit on his chair laughing. And he had to explain to the whole restaurant afterwards, like, what was so funny um, okay. about something he'd read in the paper. So he would do stuff like that. He would also, like, sometimes come in with a laptop and write, but he'd have to make the text so big that he'd be able to see it while he was typing that, like, we're talking maybe two letters per page. Like, okay. this is how big the letters would be if you're thinking of, like, a laptop screen. Um, so I don't know how he got any work done. He would throw these really weird parties, too. I never went to one, but, like, he would throw these, like, wild parties. And, like, well, he would only invite the ladies who worked in the restaurant. He wouldn't invite any, any of the guys, because that's the restaurant industry for you. But he was just such a fascinating character. And, like, that's just a few of the characters that would come through all the time. Like, you know, I had a guy who would come in, and he was, like, held, supposedly had a ton of money. But he would come in, like, read the Toronto Sun and only the sports section and sit and drink coffee and stuff. And supposedly he was a big deal lawyer. And just the type of people that come through, right, that we get to connect with when we're in a service industry job. So that's my crazy story this week is just sort of the characters that you see. That's amazing. I definitely am one of those characters that you would see. <laughs> so that's a good that's a that's really helpful because i know like anytime i go to anything whether it's like a coffee shop or a like restaurant or a bar like i am usually talking well to everyone but like usually like servers and i found what was really interesting is that like when i was in high school um i used to be very shy like talk to maybe two people which is very like confusing for most that talk to me now because I do not stop talking and will talk to literally anybody. But those poor people I used to be friends with because all of this was directed at those two people. So I'm like, how did you not kill me? I don't know. But <laughs> when I was in high school and I like went to different high schools just because I wanted a different change. And every time I went to a new high school, I would also do certain things to um, helped me get a little bit more comfortable and confident talking to people and feel less shy and less awkward about it. Not that the awkwardness has gone away, but I feel more confident now. So what I would do is I would just go to a coffee shop or if I was in a restaurant, I would always just talk to whoever was there because it just got me used to talking to strangers. And now is something that's so normal for me. So like if I'm sitting at a dinner with like, a, like my friends or family, like I'll just start talking to like the servers and probably take up more time than they I should because they have other people apparently other than me to serve but which is ridiculous but virtual hair flip but, <laughs> but I always like any anybody that I'm usually with is usually like what is happening like you're here with us so why are you becoming best friends with the server to the point that I've like become actual friends with people that I have met just like in the world and in different industries just because I am friendly and I want to give back to those people and I want them to know that I value the service that they're providing for me as well because you know I can only imagine based on how I've seen servers be treated and seen service people be treated especially as we get more and more into this world of like instantaneous like gratification 
people just want more and more and forget the humanity of people. So I'm just like, I see you. I think you're cool. Your sweater's kind of cool. Let's be best friends. Yeah. So those little things, I feel like, help make people feel a little bit better and at least just feel connected to the people that they're serving. So Yeah, I, I have this... Like, when I go and eat out, like, I end up connecting with servers sometimes when I'm chatting with them, and, like, I try to ask them, like, how their day is going, because, like, you know, if it's, like, looks like it's really busy, I'm like, how's it going for you? Is this, like, you know, a wild day or whatever? And I guess because I've worked in the industry so long, like, sometimes even when I come in to, like, see if I can get a table for a place and, like, how that works, I'm, like, really hilariously specific with, like, the questions I ask, just trying to make their job easier. So I'm, like, I, so I'll, like, show up at a restaurant, I'll be like... So I know it's summertime and it's nice out, but, like, we're fine if we end up sitting inside because, like, we don't, like, we understand how difficult it is to serve the patio right now. And we're not going to make you come outside for one table to serve the patio when it would just be easier if we were all inside. And doing dumb stuff like that that I would just, like, be kind of aware of and trying to be helpful to people when I'm actually, you know, a guest and their job is to technically take care of my needs. But I just can't break that. I have to break that fourth wall now just because I've been through it for so long. Um, yeah, that's just There's something. also, like, you know, understanding that even though they're there to serve, like, your needs and, like, that holistic, like, experience of that as well, it's also identifying that, like, that can be tiring and you understand that from the other side of it to be like, I see you, I hear you, and I accept you, and that's enough. And then that just gives people relief to be like, I hope, at least. Um, sometimes I feel like I do the same thing when I go to a health professional. And I'm always like, well, I've done this, this, and this. This is what I think is going on. Here are all these things. And they're just like, you talk a lot. I'm like, yes. They never say that. I just see that in their eyes. <laughs> like, it's really just a matter of like being that kind of awareness and having that, using the skills and that um, knowledge that you have to make a situation easier for everyone when everyone else in the world is generally making it harder. Yep. So I think that that's really important. Yeah. For you to have that kind of outline just don't let it stress you out too much like you have to be that way right. so that's good exactly so i think that's uh yeah that's fantastic and awesome i think i'm gonna leave it at that for today but how can people find you um and i will put the so, links in the show notes but how can people find you so my website is the movement maven so m-a-v-e-n dot com um, my email is jglassman at themovementmaven.com. Um, so if you check out my website um, or you can email me from there, um, I'm open. I'm offering like 15-minute consults to see whether, like especially in this time where everything's virtual, um, whether we're a good fit to work together and whether we're in a position to make sure that working with you is going to be safe for you as well um, in this time of uncertainty to get you moving and feeling a little bit better that way. Um, but yeah, I also am available through, uh, in Toronto through Modus Training Studios. Um, so M-O-T-U-S trainingstudio.com, um, slash Jamie. So J-A-I-M-E. Um, hopefully there'll be a link because most people spell my name wrong. Yes. I'll put a link up there. So those are two ways that you can connect with me. I also have my Instagram, the movement maven, and also 
a Facebook account as well. Okay, I'll, so. I'll get links to everything, hopefully, um, so that people can find you on all those things in the show notes. And uh, yeah, this has been so much fun. This has been a blast of an episode. I think we have a lot that we will probably revisit later on. Um, you know, because I think we gave a lot of tidbits of things that, you know, and then we can hop into things and get really specific with them in the future. So I can't, thank you so much, Jamie. This has been a blast. I'm so happy to be here. Like, thank you for having me. Like we, I love being in an environment to also educate, but I've learned so much myself and it gives us both an opportunity to communicate with each other, to better serve the people that we want to help. So that's funny and also accurate because serving and i am very bad because i always explain my jokes so (laughs) i love it it's great okay cool i just didn't want anyone to miss it um (laughs) yeah okay well this has been a blast uh until yeah we'll leave it at that so till next time Thanks for listening to another episode of the Hell's Kitchen podcast. Now, if you want to contact me, my email is Aaron at balancelifeservices.ca. My Twitter is B underscore life underscore services. My Instagram is balanced underscore life underscore services. And don't forget to go join that Facebook group, Hell's Kitchen, where you can connect with all sorts of working food service professionals to find out what works for them what isn't working for them and find some people who maybe know how to help you have a better work day and remember if you want to be a guest on this podcast send me an email i'd love to chat with you see ya